Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome back to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana Skaggs, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. So today, I thought I would talk a little bit about how we respond when we feel shame. One of my favorite uh, TED Talk speakers, authors, whatever, she's very well known. Her name is Brene Brown, and I'll put, I'll put her in this book that I'm getting ready to quote from in my show notes. It's called, I Thought... It was just me, but it isn't. And again, it's by Brene Brown. She's a fantastic speaker. She is so funny and real, um, self-deprecating at times. She gives these funny examples of personal experiences. Um, And shame is something that she writes a lot about and vulnerability. She's done a lot of research in those areas. And... I was reading through, I read a lot of her books, and I was reading through one of them, this book that I just mentioned to you, and came across something that I wanted to uh, read and then talk briefly about. If you happen to have the book or if you want to go get it, it's, I'm on page 89, about halfway down. And I'm just going to read a little bit here um, just to kind of set the stage. So it says, most of the time when we recall a memory, we are conscious that we are in the present, recalling something from the past. However, when we experience something in the present that triggers an old trauma memory, we re-experience the sense of the original trauma. So rather than remembering the wound, we become the wound. This makes sense when we think of how we are often returned to a place of smallness and helplessness when we feel shame. And then it, on down toward the bottom of the page, it talks about different ways that we deal with shame. So some of us move away by withdrawing, hiding, silencing ourselves, and keeping secrets. Some of us move toward by seeking to appease and please. And some of us move against by trying to gain power over others, being aggressive and using shame to fight shame. So I just wanted to think about really what those things would do long term. If you think about the people that move away that when they feel shame, they withdraw, they hide, they silence themselves and keep secrets. If you think about someone who is, who is in that response mode, basically when they are in that place, they shut down. They close off. They, they pull up the, the bridge. You know, they they close it. It's like a castle that, you know, everything's getting closed up and shut down. 
everything's getting locked down, the shutters are being closed because they feel they feel that original trauma. So they feel like they're being re-traumatized. They're trying to protect themselves. They are in defense mode. They don't trust um, whoever they're around. They don't trust the situation. And it is not uncommon at all for people who have experienced trauma to have trust issues. And they can be walking along perfectly fine and then someone will behave with them a certain kind of way, say a certain kind of thing, and it's so similar to what this person went through when they were originally traumatized that their, the animal part of their brain, the amygdala and hippocampus, reacts um, as if they are being traumatized again. Because, and I'm, pre I'm pretty sure, I talked about this in a prior episode, where the, that part of our brain, the limbic system, the amygdala and hippocampus, doesn't really have a sense of time. So when we get triggered, we feel as if we're going through it right now. It doesn't feel like something that happened last year, five years ago, 20 years ago. It feels like it's happening right now. So when someone's being triggered and they're having this response, they're, they're battening down the hatches, they're pulling in the shutters, they're pulling up the, the bridges, you know, they're locking everybody out and they're in there by themselves. And that's not, that's not helpful, but they don't know really how else to respond to it because they have this feeling that if they don't do that, they're just going to be re-traumatized. They're going to get hurt all over again. So what happens if this person doesn't uh, have an opportunity to get into therapy and work some of that out, they, they miss out on a lot of opportunities for healthy relationships because they, they jump to conclusions about what someone is really doing. They assume intent. They assume uh, unhealthy intent, that the person is intending to hurt them. And that may not be the case. But when you have trauma that has not been resolved, you're kind of sitting there waiting for triggers to come out. So you end up making some situations all about you when they may not have anything to do with you. But it felt very personal because of the unresolved trauma. So if someone is going to be withdrawing and hiding and they silence themselves, they just they just stop talking. They they won't engage in conversation because they don't trust anybody. They don't trust people with their feelings. And that makes it very difficult for them to have healthy relationships moving forward. So the second response that Dr. Brown uh, talks about is a moving toward by seeking to appease and please. I hear this just about every single day in my private practice. And I mentioned in a prior episode about people pleasing. This is something that happens so much. Just trying to appease and please everyone around us so that those people like us, so those people don't get upset with us, so that those people won't reject us and abandon us. That's the ultimate fear there, is fear of abandonment. And so, you know, they work 
people that are doing the moving toward by the pleasing and appeasing, they're working very, very hard. They are tap dancing very hard to please everyone around them. So they kind of, their own identity gets fused to the pleasure of those around them. They get sort of enmeshed. Their focus is very much on people around them being pleased with them to the point where they either they don't really know who they are anymore or they don't really want to admit it. They will out and out tell a lie. They won't really look at it that way, but they will say they like a certain thing even though they don't. Or they may not even know if they do or if they don't because they're so focused on what other people want. A really kind of a funny-ish, but a, a really neat example is whoever saw uh, the movie Runaway Bride with um, Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. So if you haven't seen it, you have Julia Roberts plays this bride who has gone to the altar numerous, numerous times and never actually went through with it. She'd run away. Well, Richard Gere was this journalist from a nearby, might have been New York. Uh, it was a large city. I think it was New York. And anyway, he picked up on this and he went to write an article about this. And so he made it his uh, mission to get to know uh, this Julia Roberts character and why she was always running away. And he slowly but surely, you can guess, they, they kind of fell in love, whatever. But he discovered, because he went and interviewed all of the um, fiancés that she had left at the altar. And come to find out, uh, all of the fiancés described her very, very differently. And it was really kind of amusing to Richard Gere's character that here's this one person, but she seemed so different to all these different men. They all described her so, so differently because she was about pleasing them. She really didn't know who she was. Um, and it got down to an example of eggs. And I don't know why he did this, but I guess it was an example that one of the one of the one or two of the uh, fiancés gave of how she liked her eggs, and it was very different. Every so Richard Gere started asking everyone, "How does she like her eggs?" And they would all say, "She liked her eggs like I like mine, whether it was fried, scrambled, eggs Benedict, eggs over easy, boiled eggs, whatever." The fiancé would always say, "Oh yeah, she liked her eggs like I like mine." And so then Richard Gere started figuring out what was going on. And near the end of the movie, I mean, Julia Roberts' character, she wanted to be with Richard Gere, but he's like, you know what? Until you figure out who you are, I don't want to be in this relationship with you. And so one of the things that she did was she sat at the counter at a diner in her little small town with a bunch of different types of eggs that had been made and sat out in front of her for her to try to figure out for the first time as a grown woman who'd already been to the altar numerous times, how she liked her eggs. And obviously it wasn't about eggs. It was about her not even knowing who she was as a person because virtually her entire life, certainly her entire adult life, she had spent trying to please the men she was with to the point where she didn't even know who she was. 
So see, that's a, that's a long-term problem that can come if somebody is moving toward, you know, the, the, the move, movement toward by seeking to appease and please in a response to shame. And then the last um, example that Brene Brown gives is moving against, and that's by trying to gain power over others, being aggressive and using shame to fight shame. Sometimes in these examples, you have people that are abusers. They have been abused and they feel fractured and unworthy and kind of dirty in a sense. And so the only way they know how to deal with that is just to do that to somebody else. They're angry. They don't know why that was done to them, but they feel powerless to do anything about it. But they don't, also don't know what to do with the anger. And so they just splash it out and lash it out to people around them. And so you can understand what, how that might impact relationships. Certainly no one healthy is going to be interested in a long-term relationship with someone like that. But someone like that might attract people that are self-sabotaging victims that want to be treated badly because of their own psychological lack of health. And so you end up with dysfunction attracting dysfunction. And like I said, sometimes people that have been abused will turn around and abuse others. Not everybody by any means, but the percentage is high of those that have been abused that will turn around and either be physically abusive, sexually abusive, verbally abusive, because that's what was done to them. That's what was modeled for them. They don't really know, possibly, in some situations, how to have a, uh, an argument without being abusive or how to communicate without being responded to with a slap or a hit. And with people that have been sexually molested, many times they get very confused about, especially depending on the age that this happens to them, they get confused about what's appropriate sexual interaction. And then sometimes they begin to feel, well, if this is all I'm worth, then I guess this is what I'll do. This is how I get attention. This is how I have power as a person is either allowing myself to be treated this way or forcing other people to do what was done to me. So you can see how that's not really going to work out very well long term. So the, the better answer really than moving away, moving toward, or moving against, you know, those different examples, the better answer is to face the original traumas. What was actually done to feel it feel the emotions that were the, your response to the abuse and then process a lot of times this has to be done with a therapist that can be there with you to help you to walk you through that to watch if you're getting overwhelmed and kind of slow you down no hurry there i mean usually trauma happened quite a while ago there's no reason to get in some kind of mad rush right now but allowing your your mind and your heart and your body time to actually remember and face what happened allow the feelings to surface uh, and then processing those and there's lots of different ways for that processing to happen 
again, different therapists handle that different ways. See, at this point, if if you're in one of these um, unhealthy behavior patterns, this moving toward, moving away, moving against, if you're doing that, then right now the abuser is not stealing anything from you. You are the one handing it over. Because if you look around, the abuser is not around anywhere. Sometimes the abuser is dead. Sometimes the abuser lives states away. And even if the abuser is still nearby, if the abuse happened a long time ago, it's not the abuser that is stealing your life from you now. It's, it's you. It's your trauma that's in your mind. And as a psychologist or, as, you know, somebody that's in psychotherapy, I, I view that as a good thing. Because if there's something in your mind, that means you have access to it. You can do something with it. You can change it. If something lies only with someone else, then there's nothing you can do about that. But if your trauma and your response to it is bothering you today, in 2021, from a trauma that happened to you months ago, years ago, decades ago, I would suggest that you consider getting some help, going and finding a therapist to, to work through it with you so that you can let that go. So that doesn't continue to rob you of your life now. It doesn't have to continue to do that. Because the memory of that, the feelings of that, and needing for it to be processed is sitting in your own mind. So you have access to it. And you may not know what to do about all of that. That's okay. Find someone that can help you. Find someone you know, in, in the mental health field that can help you. There is absolutely hope. Uh, for freedom, a liberation from all of that stuff that's happened in the past. So hopefully this episode has been helpful or encouraging to you in some way, if you feel like it has been, or if you feel like it might be encouraging or helpful to someone that you know, I would strongly ask you to post it, share it on social media, whichever your favorite platforms are and put it out there so that we can get the word out and grow our community or we can reach out to one another. If you happen to have any comments or questions, you can go to my website, which is just phoenixandflame.com and send me an email. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. And again, this is Dana Skaggs on Phoenix and Flame. <music>